0: It, it, print it, scan it, it, AIA it, so Digital it, 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 Marketing! David Maiman, thank you for coming on to the show, mate. I really appreciate it. I know you've got a very busy schedule.
1: Absolute pleasure, Bill.
0: How no, are you this afternoon? you Good. Yeah, yeah. We've been to the beach today. Um, in true australia day form um, there were more awesome, yeah, there were more marquees and uh, groups of people with ghetto blasters than i've ever seen before
1: <laughs> but and was... all wearing all wearing masks obviously
0: yeah. <laughs> oh yeah of course yes <laughs> how's it cool i just want to quickly introduce you david to the guys that are listening um, david mayman is the founder of jetpack aviation an entrepreneur and a venture capitalist who has invented the world's first legit jetpack. So this is this is a legit turbine-powered um, uh, jetpack, not like the old olden day ones, the rocket belts where it was basically a, a bomb strapped to your back that lasted for maximum twenty seconds. This is um, this is actually a legitimate jetpack that you can fly. I think it goes for around ten minutes, right, Dave? Yeah. Uh, at, at this point, um, also David uh, is a long-term friend of mine, a business partner, and um, and a, and a mentor. Um, so to have you on as the first guest of this show, Dave, I wouldn't have it any other way, mate. So thanks again for taking the time.
1: Pleasure, Bill. Really, really happy to kick this whole thing off with you. Very, very. Um, you, you, you gotta have. You gotta have um really at the moment, don't you? So it's great to start something new and, and, um, and I wish you well with it. So very very happy to be here. Yes,
0: my first question for you is, um, how did an Avalon boy find himself flying jetpacks around California?
1: That's a good question, man. <laughs> um, how long did you say we have? <laughs> okay, so, um, wow. Wow.
0: And we've just changed lines, so we've got a better line. I think we'll be able to hear you better now, David.
1: Sorry, um, where were you? Yeah. Okay, sorry about that. It's a long way from here to there. <laughs> so I was having to yell really loudly. That's much better. Up. Yeah. I signed up to do my PPL, and yep. what I was saying is I just you know loved it from day one, really got into it with the instructors. Um i got to admit, I didn't enjoy school that much, but when I found something that I was really, you know, that I really loved, and it all came together, I learned really quickly, I did the theory really easily, um, so I got my, got my uh, in those days they called a restricted PPL, where you could fly within a certain area of the aerodrome, and then um, the following year, at the end of year 12, after the HSC, which was a bit, all a bit of a joke, um, I got my unrestricted CPL, so I could fly anywhere in the country and and um, and what have you. But still, didn't have any money to do it. So you know, this is a, a bit of an age age old um, uh, thing for, for pilots. When you've got money, you don't have time, and when you've got time, you don't have the money yep. to to go flying. Anyway, got got my um, got my license, and then went to university to study um, Bachelor of Commerce, and. Again, never had the money to pursue it. So I just sat on my PPL with like a hundred hours, um, in total time for years and years and years and years. Um, then got into management consulting. Yep. So I never really knew what I wanted to do in, in, I knew I wanted to do something in business. Um, and, but I didn't know like what particular area. I, uh, my focus in, in the commerce degree was in finance. And so I found that I was really I was sort of good with numbers. I enjoyed I enjoyed the numbers rather than stuff like HR and sociology and what have you that that are are pretty open ended. They don't have a definite answer. I I like things with a definite answer. That's why I like working in engineering companies. So um, anyway, decided to go into management consulting after going to, to uni, and that was great because I got a. Such a broad exposure to um, to different industries. You know, like over ten years, over the ten years that I had in my, ought to sort of call my first career, um, working you know Combank at the most senior level, like literally meeting with the uh, with the directors. Um, uh, let's see, AMP Insurance, um, BHP in in mining, uh, and a bunch of bunch of other businesses. Yep. Um, and it was really good to. It taught me analytical skills, taught me communication skills, how to you know how to, to work with people, how to bring them along um, through the process, how to try and get the most out of uh, the, the team that the client had provided us. Um, but in the end, decided that I wanted to build up something of my own, and got the opportunity when I saw that my you know mining was not doing well in Asia compared to Australia and you know it was just extremely inefficient. So I started up my own company focusing on uh, the mining industry in South Africa and, and Asia yep. and built that up um, and ended up being the largest um, mining specific consulting company for sure in, in that area. I think we had like 50 professional staff and about 12 um, support staff, something like that.
2: Wow. How, um, how long
1: declined. since you
0: started it did that take?
1: Oh, it took, um, it, took, it took about five or six years to get to that level, and yep. then I held it for another few years after that. Yep. Um, yep. Was it a tough five or six years? A, a, sorry?
0: Was it a tough five or six years?
1: Man, it was a grind. Yeah. It, um, it certainly burnt my first marriage. Um, yep. actually got yeah got married by then that uh lady out of South Africa uh, got married in Australia, but then you know immediately was just never there, never at home yep. um so you know where at home I was spending most of my time in Johannesburg and uh, jakarta that's where i had um I had a house in Johannesburg and an apartment in in Jakarta, and I was just moving between the two. Yes. Um, and spending most of my time out in the boondocks, like you know, um, and Balikpapan in um, in Indonesia, and then in South Africa, it could be like literally anywhere in the, in the gold fields or in the diamond mines or up in um, you know up to the north in Harare. So not really conducive to married life. Yes. Um, and it was, yeah, it. When you start your own business and everything is on you, then it's 24 hours a day, isn't it? It's, yep. You
2: know,
1: you're, if you're not hiring, if you're not going through the process of hiring, interviewing people, then you're selling. Um, if you're not selling, then, you know, you're doing the accounts and uh, working out legal agreements with new clients or, um, you know, working, working through issues with clients. Yeah. Uh, so it took a long time for me to build any kind of structure in the company where I had people, other people that I could trust to to take things on. Uh, definitely, I was a control freak, and maybe you have to be sometimes. you know, early on in a in a, in, a, in a business, if you don't take control over everything, then it's uh, you know who knows what's going to happen. So I, I definitely controlled every single thing. Yes. Um. And then over time. And over time, over time, I gave other people more and more responsibilities. I got to know them and I got to trust them.
2: Yeah, right.
3: Um,
1: but, you know, because it, I, I, I couldn't post people from the other company that i had been working with, I literally had to start from scratch. And so I did, didn't really know the background. And I, and I literally went on the worldwide um, tour to try and find people. I advertised all over the world and, then, and traveled. To interview them, looking wow. specifically for mining and uh, expert. You were going through the resumes yourself, anyway, so
0: right? You were yeah. doing the whole thing.
1: Yep. Yeah. 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 No, I was. I was doing the travelling. I was doing the advertising for the the people. Uh, and in those days, it was a lot of a lot of um, print advertising. So you know, if I wanted to find people in the UK, I'd be I'd be um, Advertising in the UK press, in the US press, sometimes reaching within the US. You know, I went to do interviews in places as far-flung as like Orlando in Florida. Um, I remember um, interviewing people there, seeing the space shuttle take off. Um, LA, New York—that uh, was the only way to find the people that I that I needed. Yes. And then, but you know, it, it worked. We got a really really awesome team of of people together, and. And build a great business, and um, had some very happy, um, you know, happy clients. Yep. But it meant me living, meant me living most of my life in in mining camps. Right. Um, you know, I, I remember one of our great clients, uh, three McMoran. we were up in, you know, we were up at like five thousand meters or something in one of the last remaining um, gla- glaciers in the tropics. Yes. So it's, it's just. Extreme. Extremely interesting work, and uh, I also had mining through my family. Like my father was in the mining, and I think that's part of the you know part of my genes as well as to get out of the city. I don't feel that comfortable working in the city all the time. Yes, uh, mining's amazing because you meet you meet um, really down to earth people. Pardon the pun. <laughs> um, and just fantastic, you know, environment. Anyway, that's yeah, uh, cool. Yeah, so, so that's. Um,
0: so you built a successful mine consultancy uh, business off the back of your own blood, sweat, and tears, basically at the start. Um, uh, is there yeah. any is there any advice that you could offer to myself or maybe some uh, some people that are listening that are having a tough time? Did you ever find yourself in a position where you felt like giving up, or you felt like it was too tough and you had to dig deep?
1: Oh, for sure. And there were many, there were many days. Um, I think. I think by nature, by nature i'm like a highly obsessive and quite anxious um, personality, so when things weren't and, you know when I felt things were like out of control, I would definitely lose my shit and um, I definitely had a, a temper problem back in those days as well like i I'd blow up on people and yes you know people would leave and and i'd apologize and they'd come back and <laughs> oh, man, you probably can 't act like that these days you know everybody goes to jail. But,
2: yeah, you know, right.
1: I, yeah, I used to be angry, but um, that was just my, my way of, I guess, coping with the amount of pressure um, that I put myself on, nobody else did that. Yes. Um, in terms of advice, I would say that um, you're always going to have people around you to say that it's not a good idea, it's too big a risk, yes. and you're the one that's got to you're the one that's got to make that assessment and it doesn't matter whether it's your husband, wife, girlfriend, partner, best friend, whatever. Yep. Um, you've got to make that assessment and if you decide to, you know, don't be one of these people like with one foot on either side of the fence. If you're going to go for it, then go for it. Um, yes. Don't be one of these people saying, oh yeah, I kind of gave it a shot. Or, you know, you either gave it a shot or you, you didn't. Yes. Um, and... So I, I gave it a, I gave it a, a really good go. Um, and you know I think the other thing is in the end you can only be successful with really flipping awesome people around you. And if you don't have them, um, then they're just taking energy away from you and you're just losing time. So yes. no matter how difficult it is at the time because either – you build up a relationship with you know a personal relationship you get on well with them or maybe it's because they're kind of filling a role and they're doing okay and you think that you know well it's kind of helping you
2: yep. if
1: they're not taking you forward then they're taking you backwards and you've got to move on so yes. say, say goodbye to people that really are just not um working out and do it really quickly that's yes. that's one of my biggest pieces of advice. and
0: it's easy. Yeah. It's easy and to procrastinate I, I, with that stuff, right? Like it's easy to kind of tell yourself. It's
1: that, very easy to procrastinate. Yeah. It's, it's very easy to procrastinate. Um, it's always possible to say, Oh, but you know, they're doing this okay. Or um, I don't have time to find somebody else. Or I don't want to train somebody else.
2: Yep. Every
1: time I move quickly on um, changing somebody out, it's worked out for the better. It's painful. Yep. And it's, and it and it consumes more energy initially, but um, it's always worked out for the better every single time. Yeah. Um, so, and I, and I know it's really easy to say this, but there's a, there's there's business people I'm sure that will listen to this and go, oh yeah, that it's great in theory, but I've got you know they're doing so much for me already. If I change 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 them out, then I've got this big hole in the organisation. And I know. Um, it's true and I've been there and it is really difficult but it's the right thing to do for your business and, and for your other staff Yes, and probably for your clients and you know it's better for everybody
0: so, so
1: um,
0: throughout this process David did you find yourself wh- where did you go to get that kind of um, that energy or that inspiration or the motivation to, to kind of pull your pull your socks up if you think back did, was there was there something that inspired you um, or that that gave you that kind of drive
1: There is. I, um, I was unlucky in as much as I didn't really have a mentor outside of the business that, that I developed a relationship with. But I did have, like, amazingly, um, good relationships with my clients that I built up over time. And these were astonishingly, astonishingly smart, you know, people. And, and I you know, I had the relationship with them where I could sit down and we could just we could just talk about this kind of thing as well. Um, yes. you know, these were you know, these were sort of Ivy League uh, educated MBAs and lawyers and what have you from some of the best universities in the world and like just really smart, knowledgeable people. And I you know, I also felt in business there's no point in hiding stuff. You just be up front. Be yeah. upfront with what was going on. So my my um, my clients gave me a lot of support and a lot of uh, you know a lot of advice and and as well as as the you know the people that I brought onto the company into the company that were doing well yes um, they were extremely supportive like we could sit down and just like nut stuff out as a group you know like like any company you tend to have like if you've got 50 people or including support staff 65 people or what have you. There'll still be that sort of inner cabinet of maybe five people, yes. the you know the leadership team, and um, I had a really supportive and, and great leadership team.
0: It just kind of rubs um, off, right? When you're surrounded by like-minded, driven, motivated people, that it, it kind of um, it rubs off, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, it does. You, you've got to be careful. You've got to be careful of, uh, um, and this is something. This is something that. I'd, Give advice to people on as well. You know the whole group think concept, yes, and not having enough and not having enough um, diversity of thought. So you know, I think organisations do do well to be diverse in every sense of the word. You know, as far as gender, race, everything, they should be diverse. But very importantly, they should be diverse as far as um, thinking is concerned because. Uh, there was a risk at one stage that I was going to end up with a company with a whole lot of mini me and just people that were going to agree with yes men whatever I thought was the right way to go. Yep. And, um, I realized at one point that I wasn't actually having a debate about anything and <laughs> not, you know, it's not that I'm somebody that loves to have to debate everything. In fact, I hate that. Yep. Um, as my wife knows, she's just like, Okay, we've talked about this for 30 seconds and we'll make a decision. That's, that's the way that I usually have to go. But if you're in a, if you're in a, a company, um, then you do want people that will challenge your thinking and each other's thinking for sure.
0: Yeah, cool. Yep. Awesome. Yeah, Yeah. it's, it's, um, it's, it's yeah, easy.
1: No, it, to... a, it was an interesting time, mate. Yeah, it was cool. An interesting time. So,
0: so how long after you started yeah. the business did you sell?
1: Uh, it was uh, just over ten years.
0: Yeah, right. And um, from from yeah. from what I understand, you did reasonably well out of that. Sorry, you say again, Bill? Oh, from what I understand, I think that you did reasonably well out of that. You were you were at a young age, and and you yeah, sold this.
1: Yeah, it was. Um, I did do well. It was a it was a good exit, as they say. Um, yep. Actually, sold it into a. Sold it into a, a roll-up, um, a stock exchange roll-up of professional services firms. So, yep. you know, we were the consulting company, and then there were a bunch of other IT um, services firms, and um, you know, some of these management firms, um, and IT consulting firms. Yes, and we put together a, a roll-up of all of that. Um, those on the Johannesburg uh, stock exchange. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, and. and and I did I did do very well out of that. And it gave me, you know, a lot of options in life. Um and probably if I was as smarter investor as I seem to be at these big development companies, then I would have just said, Okay, I'm gonna take that money and um let, let somebody else invest that and manage that and then I'll I will i will just not spend uh, too much for it and then that'll that'll see me through a lot of years. So that's not my nature. My nature is I have to uh,
0: throw any, any money I make, I have to throw into the next center. Yeah, right. Hey, Dave, it's, um, it's saying emergency evacuate now. There's a fire alarm going off here. Would you believe it? <laughs> hey, guys, we're back. Sorry the fire alarm went off. <laughs> Typical you try to record your first podcast or something like that's bound to happen, right? But I've still got David here, thankfully. David, I think we, we left off. Um, you were talking about investing your money or something like that?
4: I know, Bill, but I just have to, um, I have to tell that story that I just mentioned to you, yes, um, when, you when you broke off. Yeah, as a consultant, so I was running a project back, as I was saying, I used to do um, projects for big um, banks and what have you. So I had a project with ComBank, and uh, at that stage, I was the, the project director. And so we had about a team of 10 people um, from the consulting company, uh, and then we had a team of about the same, um, 10 or 12 people. From the bank, and we we were working. I mean, it was literally normal hours for the project, so it was pretty late. It was like nine or ten o'clock. We're all on this one floor down on the corner of um, oh, market and something, anyway. Fire alarm went off, and I just looked at everyone. I said, Don't anyone move, you know that this is a drill because there used to be drills, right? Right. And they all looked at like the bank, the bank guys looked at me and went, What really? And um, anyway, cut a long story short. about ten minutes later, the fire brigade came busting into the floor, and they they built, and so the the building was actually on fire, so <laughs> the man, one time that,
0: the one time it is actually the fire. one the <laughs>
4: one time yeah yeah i'm I'm sure it would would have gone to jail anyway I yeah I feel oh, like, dear,
0: I, I don't feel like you'd get away with that today, I
4: don't know if maybe, no, but, probably wouldn't. Well, probably wouldn't have gotten away with it then if anybody had heard about it either, but yeah. <laughs> or if anyone had burned to
0: death as well, that wouldn't have been good.
4: <laughs> no, that's exactly right. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, it sold, um, sold out of the, the consulting company. Or well, actually kept 50% of it for um, for three extra years and took, uh, took the dividends out from there, but yeah. sold it into a, a roll-up of professional service firms. So that's basically when... Um, you know, you have a series of private companies that are, that are typically profitable. They're doing well in their own space, and you think if you put them together, there'll be will be enough scale there um, to make it worthwhile being a public company and, and attracting interest from public um, investors. And it would also give you the capital then to grow by f- further acquisition. So it enables you to acquire um, companies that are in a, in in the similar space. And then the theory is also that uh, each company can leverage off the back of each other company's client base. So, in other words, if we're a management consulting company and we're in the same roll-up as a um, professional IT services company, then you know we could each provide cross, you know, services across um, the different client base. Right. Anyway, that's the theory. Some of them work. Some of them don't work. This this one worked particularly well in the beginning, and um, stock prices went up. Um, in an awesome way and, and all that stuff. So that, that um, yeah, I did pretty well out of that and they uh, gave me some money to to invest. Um, and like I was saying before, and I, I don't know if we, we got that before the, the fire alarm went off, um, I should have just said, hey, Bill, hang in there. You don't need to go. It's just a fire alarm. It was more the noise. It's just, than it's noise just than a anything. warning. It's just, <laughs> just a practice. Yeah.
0: They, they make <laughs> the alarm so annoying that you just have to get out even if you don't really
4: want to. <laughs> Exactly <laughs> um, yeah, so what I learned in the in the next phase of my life was I was actually better at starting and running businesses than i than than i um was as an investor, so because yeah. that was back in the early dot com days and and uh, I kind of started up this mini v c uh, business and um or you know angel or seed investing I, I guess you'd call it now, yep, and saw hundreds of um, you know, hundreds of presentations, and in, you know, made a few invest investments. And look, you know, I guess like if you take a portfolio approach, as you have to, with it, I've, I've done okay out of it. Yep. Um, and you know, some of the companies are still alive, and you know, uh, one or two of them I'm, I'm sure will do very well. Yes. Uh, but others, others definitely died. And um, so, yeah, I mean, it was it was a time that I could also. Throw myself into more aviation so going back to your question about how to how do i go from avalon to flying jetpacks in in america uh, finally i had the time and some money to spend on aviation so i got my helicopter's license um and got my commercial fixed wing license and then eventually my helicopter license and um and did that in America, Australia, and Europe. So actually had three completely separate licenses, which is actually quite a, a thing to, to get and to maintain. Not, not yep. too many people do that. Were they personal um, or commercial?
0: But, Are there different levels for helicopters? Uh,
4: yeah. Yeah. They, they, you start um, at a PPL, a private pilot's license, then you go on to a CPL and then an um, ATPL. Um, right. So my, mine was at a commercial License, so technically, I sh- I could have flown, yeah, uh, as a as a commercial pilot,
2: yep. that
4: for a li- for a living. Um, I never did, yep. but actually, interestingly enough, it it um, it did allow me to do certain things with the jetpacks in America, um, right. because I hold a FAA um, commercial uh, ratings or licenses rather in both fixed wing and helicopters. So yes. when it came to do, doing some flights with the jetpack. Um, that that were money, you know, money making flights. The only way I could do that is by having a commercial license. Uh, are um,
0: Helicopters as much fun to fly as they look like they are because they look awesome. They look like they're a lot of fun.
4: Helicopters are awesome. Yeah, <laughs> most the most fun you can. You there?
0: The most fun you can what? You there, Dave?
4: Yeah, no, helicopters are uh, just fantastic. Just fantastic. The, I mean, flying fixed wing is cool. It's, it's um, Like, don't get me wrong, getting up in the air in anything is fantastic. Um, um, but flying a helicopter is just so much more dynamic. Like, you can um, – I mean, obviously, you can take off and land vertically, which is great. Um, typically, you fly a lot lower in a, in a helicopter. Yep. Um, uh, as as an old engineering partner of mine in Los Angeles said why would because he was also a helicopter pilot yes said why on earth would you fly high in a helicopter because when the shit hits the fan and like it catches on fire or there's a catastrophic failure and your rotor blades fall off you've just got a whole <laughs> lot longer to scream and 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 and, and anticipate yeah. dying yes. whereas at least if you fly low it, it's, it's much faster <laughs> It's a good strategy. Uh, awesome. <laughs> that was awesome. That was Nelson. Nelson was the inventor of the original uh, rocket belt, a civilian rocket belt. Um, yeah, right. Amazing, amazing, amazing guy. Yeah. but yeah, That was always very funny. Isn't that the one that was and he, flown
0: he, in, um the, um uh, you know, the movie? Wait, uh, I've had a mind blank. Uh,
4: that was the one that was flown in um, Thunderball. Um, yes. James Bond James Thunderball. Bond. Yeah, right. The, yeah, in the 1960s, and yep. um, that was the machine that he built, and that was uh, flown by Bill Suter, who, who taught me to fly the um, the rocket belt, and I flew that actually in Sydney and crashed into Sydney Harbour <laughs> yes. in 2010. Yep. Uh, not, not, a, not a great day, um, but, yeah, so anyway, where were we? So, I yeah, I did that and then um, invested in a few companies, then started um, – and with a couple of other guys, started Australian Local Search, which became True Local yes. in in, um, in Australia. So it's it's like a it's a directory for for services mostly. You know, if you're looking for a plumber or um, what have you, you can go online and, and find uh, a local plumber and get get ratings. So you know, it's it's sort of like the the Yelp Yelp in America is, is the equivalent. Right. Um, how did that all come about? Um. So, okay, so I was doing some work um, with some guys that were working at Census at the time yep. and, you know, that's the, that's the company that used to have the trading post, um, gosh, back in the days when, you know, everything was um, printed material and that was the way we all used to buy and, you know, sell things was through the, the trading newspaper. post.
3: Yeah, yeah.
4: Um, yeah, through the newspaper and through the yellow pages. Remember those? Those things <laughs> that sit under your computer the, now the to stops. lift up your monitors. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know if they even exist, but
0: I don't think anyway, not used them. to be the yeah. I haven't seen them for a while.
4: Yeah, well, I know they got smaller and smaller. Like yeah. they, they used to be one book when I was very young, um, yeah. A through to Z, and then and they got huge. so big they split them.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
4: It was huge, and then they split them probably because it was against oh, health and safety rules to carry something that heavy. And it was so a they split them weapon. in two. <laughs> it was a deadly weapon. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, that's true. There's actually a story of a guy. Got so angry in his office in uh, in a high rise office in Melbourne, yeah. some big executive threw the yellow pages <laughs> at the window, and the entire window pane went out of his building and crashed down on the Collins Street, oh, like 20, 24 floors twenty below. So you're right, deadly like half a ton. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, so I met these guys, and um, and they convinced me at the time that this, this was a you know a great opportunity of course my doubt was always well you know there's goo there's this thing called Google guys. Yep. And you know this is like the early two thousand like two thousand and three I guess. Um anyway they convinced me that there was there was space in the market for a like a very focused um, product directory. Yep. Um and that we could develop that and we could get you know we could get traffic from Yahoo and, and other sources, you know, nine MSN and uh so yeah, I got I got involved in it and um, and put um, you know put some cash into it. And the the idea was the idea was to actually just put a little bit of money into it and then help the guys do the rounds with all the the VCs in Australia
2: yes. and
4: you know get some serious money. Like we were going to go and chase five mon- uh, five million dollars and and run hard with it. And what we needed the money for was to build out the database because. Uh, Good databases actually cost money to curate and you know edit and yep. um, and also to build the algorithm. Um, we had a base algorithm that we we built that we wanted to better you know build out the tech <laughs> for the search uh, and then to, yeah yep. for the search exactly because um, when we started it was like one of those drop down search systems where you have a field that says okay what. Um, what service are you looking for? And there'd be a drop-down menu of 100 service items. And we just right. wanted to have a Google-type search where you could just type into a box, um, plumber, you know, right. for, for example.
0: Which was a big deal back um, then, right? This is something we take for granted it, today. But, but, um,
4: yeah, we, we do. But back yeah. in those days, um, it's something that we, we had to develop it was still um, a new thing. in the way that we wanted to use it. Yeah. yeah. And it was wouldn't have been anything like as sophisticated as, as Google search, obviously, when we were doing um what we came up with, but it worked. Uh, And the other thing we need to spend money on was building up a sales team to, you know, to call small businesses and large businesses and say, look, we've set up this directory. Here's the traffic we're getting. Here's the traffic we may be able to get you. Um, Do you want to, you know, do you want to have a priority listing? You'll appear higher on the page and, you know, all that stuff. Yeah, right. Um, Anyway, long story short, I couldn't find any VC uh, interested in, in putting money into it. And we saw all of the, the locals and you, I don't want to get started now on the Australian venture capital industry and maybe it's improved, <laughs> um, you know, over the last 15, 17 years. I hope it I hope it has because it was absolutely dismal, you know.
0: In Guess what, like, VC? They didn't have any guts.
4: Oh, they just were they just, you know, they had no guts at all. They didn't want to take a risk. Right. They, they wanted their 10x returns, but they didn't want to take a risk. Yeah, okay. Um, I'm sure it must have improved. By now, I mean, I, I've heard of some of the guys that are working in, um, uh, you know, in like seed stage and, um, and series A, series B stage, and they're, they're more innovative, I'm sure, than the guys I was meeting at the time. They just wanted a sure bet and they wanted to multiply their investment by 10 times, and
2: probably that also, doesn't work,
4: you probably,
0: know? Probably also tech is less, um, like the, it's proven itself to be uh, a safer bet nowadays, I suppose. People are more willing to invest in, in technology, right, and SaaS systems?
4: Yeah, I, well, I think that there's certainly a lot, of, um, there's a lot of comparison, like a lot of ways that you can compare different models. Um, there's a lot of people that have done incredibly well out of tech. So there is, you know, there's a, some proven paths
2: there. Yep.
4: But obviously, every, you know, every investment is still a risk. And, you know, the more risky it is, the larger the return is that you can expect. Yep. Um, and, you know, that's that's the way life works. There's no such thing as, uh, you know, well, at least on a repeatable basis, there is no such thing as a, you know, high rate of return with no risk. doesn't right. exist.
0: Right. It's like that um, with everything in life almost, isn't it? Not just uh, not just investing money, but uh, time and energy, yeah. you know,
4: um, as yeah, well as always. Yeah, it, 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 it is exactly like that. Um, if you want to achieve something, out of the ordinary then yes. it's going to take something pretty extraordinary to get there right. like nothing comes nothing comes free sacrifices need to be um, made with, right? yep in my experience anyway i've i've met and worked even with a lot of people who sort of subscribe to that um i'm going to get lucky theory yes. you know i'm just going to do this and this, you know they they always have an angle it's got like this get rich quick I'm um, you know i've I've got this angle, and I'm going to do this, and yep. blah blah blah. And I, I, yeah, it's like I, I've outsmarted I the system.
0: I've got a way around it, you know, a shortcut.
4: Yeah, um, and all I say is like, good luck. It's not my, it's not my mo. I right. just maybe, maybe I'm just not smart enough for, to go down that route. I just believe in hard, hard yakka, one foot after the next, and keep going. And some, some people would say that I'm too too bloody-minded, and I think there is such a thing. Yes. You know, like persistence. Persistence is good, and I, I don't know any of my – people the people that I um, get on with in business and that I surround myself with, I, I don't know anybody that got there without an enormous amount of persistence. But I guess there's also a point at which um, you have to assess every business opportunity and say – Um, Okay, well, I've done this, I've done this, and I've done this. And now, like, okay, the market's changed or whatever. I'm going to now focus on something else or do something else. Yes. Um, Yeah.
0: yeah. I don't think uh, think that there's – it's almost – you know, the the world's full of people like that that think that they are um, going to be able to, like, uh, you know, um, get a shortcut – And, and that they're different, they've outsmarted the system and, and some people do get lucky, but by and large, you know, if it was that easy, then everyone would do it, I guess. So, so, you know, it's, it's really, it's more like uh, one of the things that I've picked up from working with you, David, over the years is the kind of attitude, which is like, I don't know how much work it's going to take for me to make this thing, to take this thing where I want it to go, but I'm going to find out It, it might be. Two years, it might be ten years, but there isn't there is an amount of work and effort and money and time that this is gonna take and I'm gonna I'm gonna do yeah. what it takes, right?
4: Yeah, that's that's true. And and you never do know how long things are gonna take or really how much things are gonna cost. Um there is that there is that um, you know, four B two piece of timber joke and that is that everything in business and maybe this is like in life generally, is gonna take you like twice as long, and cost you four times as much money in investment as you originally thought, or four times as much money and twice as long. You know, it's like that four by two concept. And it's true. Not, nothing. It doesn't matter what degree you got or how smart you are. Nothing will ever be forecasted correctly in right. business. <laughs> you know, you tell any any business person that tells me they're going to build a spreadsheet and they're going to model this and they're going to create a budget and blah blah blah. Say, so, yeah, fine, okay. <laughs> So but, that's you know, what's we, not going to happen, right? And and we <laughs> yeah you, we know that's not yeah. going to happen. Yeah. So <laughs> let's just let's just put some um, let's just put some barriers around that and say, well, you know, if this happens, then it's still acceptable. Or yeah. if that happens, it's not acceptable because we know for damn sure yep. that's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. So so you couldn't no, find yeah. any
0: other Australian venture capitalists to invest in um, ALS,
4: right? No, so not, none of them would. So we just had to bootstrap it and keep it going ourselves. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, it's really, really good that we did because that meant, you know, we, we kept more, more of the, the company for ourselves. And then in, um, 2005, I think it was, we, we pretty much got into a, an auction with, um, Murdoch's interested in it, Fairfax, wow. um, back in those days and, and nine MSNs. Wow. Yeah. So we had we had three people basically bidding on it and, you know, we're playing a bit of a game of because I had to actually fly from Sydney to London um for something else, else for something else completely, but nine MSN knew that some of the Fairfax guys were in London at the time and they kinda of looked at me and they went, You're uh-huh. going to London to meet the Fairfax guys, aren't you? And I just kinda of looked at them and went Maybe that's not something I could, you know, oh, yeah. that's not something I could really talk of, talk about. Yes, and I, I actually wasn't, but right, it was it good worked. that they thought that you, you were. It worked perfectly, <laughs> and um, yeah, so you know, sold sold that in the end to um, to Murdoch. I, I remember I, I personally negotiated the deal with um, with Lachlan Murdoch. Yep, got on a on a plane because um, I was living in in Ireland at the time. Uh, I. I'd, Taken one of my software companies to Europe by setting it up in Ireland, as well as starting ALS in Australia and and uh, helping run that. So I was sort of jumping backwards and forwards. So I literally met in the in the News Corp um, boardroom in in Sydney, did the deal with Lachlan Murdoch, um, Jeremy Phillips, and uh, and Stephen and the guys there. Then got on a plane to go back to Ireland, and then going through Dubai, I was in the lounge and and up on the TV comes, Lachlan Murdoch resigns from News Corp. I went, <laughs> right. what the hell is going on here? So I just assumed, okay, the deal's probably dead. Yes. You know, like if something like that sponsored by, you know, somebody like Lachlan and then he just decides to resign. But um, no, they stuck, to the, they stuck to the deal and cool. we did the deal and it went through. Was that, the meeting, things,
0: was that the meeting you told me about that you, you told everyone to fuck off and just stormed out?
4: Yeah, there was a bit of a, a <laughs> there was a bit of a hissy fit at one stage. That yeah. was a bit embarrassing Some. when I look back on it. But I just lost my S H one T. Yeah. I just <laughs> well we sat down with a, in a boardroom with a whole bunch of them. Yeah. Um to thrash out the final details. Um Right. This is uh this was before the final meeting with Lockland. Yes. And um they suddenly threw a curveball into the deal that we'd been discussing. And uh, I'm just trying to remember that it, it related to traffic we were getting, I think, from Yahoo. And it meant discounting the price
2: right. um,
4: based on the amount of traffic we were getting outside of the network, but substantially, like, you know, 25% discount to the valuation that we were talking about, which was in the tens of millions. And um, and my res- my response very often is not to argue with stuff. It's just to say – well, you know, clearly, I mean. we're, not, we're yeah, we're not going to come to the same page. If that's if yes. that's the way you want to deal, we're just we're not on the same page. So, I remember just folding my um, folding up my little like my little leather folder there with my notepad in it, and uh, my lawyers were actually on the other side of the table, and I just looked at them and I said, right, let's go, and they all stayed they all stayed sitting there, <laughs> and I went, what? And I go, let's go. And I got up and walked out and they, they followed me yes. and, <laughs> and they're going out, what are you doing? What are you doing? I go, come on. That's just absolute bullshit. Yes. What they're pulling there. And, um, I said to, uh, Jonathan, the lead lawyer, I said to him, um, I said, I'll get to about Epping because I was going back towards Macra- Macquarie Park. Yes. I said, I'll get, I reckon I'll get to about Epping before they call me. Yes, and. And I, and I got way past that thing, but they did call me in the end. And they basically said, what the fuck was that all about? I think that was, that was his word. Yes. What the fuck was that all about? Right. And I said, man, you know exactly what that was all about. Yes. Come on. You know, and he said, okay. He said, would you be willing to continue? Can we put that behind us?
2: Yeah,
3: right.
4: And, um, I said, yeah. He said, well, can you come back in today? Just, and I went, just don't yeah, do it again. Yeah, if we can. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, no, I mean I don't think I was being bloody minded. It was and it wasn't really a negotiating tactic, tactic from my point of view. I'm su- I'm sure it was from their point of view, but it was just, it just I knew I had other options. Right. Yeah, and I knew I had other options, so why was I going to why yeah, yeah. was I going to deal with that?
0: <laughs>
4: cool. Um
0: so so where does the jetpack come into that? Was that after you sold yeah, the Yeah, exactly.
4: <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah. Yes.
2: Yeah. Was that after- Um Bill?
4: Yeah. Can you, can you just hang on a sec?
0: Yeah, I can pause it. Hang on. So where yeah. did the, the jetpack come into, come into this? Was it after you sold ALS or had you already kind of started that? Yeah. Um,
4: well, I'd actually already started it. Um, when, I, when I was living in, in Dublin, I, um, I hooked up with Nelson Tyler. What uh, lets me think about that? What year was that? It was about... It was actually about the same time. Right. Um early two thousand like two thousand two, so just a bit before ALS. And um didn't really have a, an awful lot of money to throw at it. And anybody that's been involved in designing aeroplanes, unfortunately you can you can think that you can do it on the smell of an oily rag, but in the end it it, it does cost money. Right. And
0: um Yeah, yeah so spelling ALS inventing a jetpack costs a bit of money, yeah.
4: <laughs> yeah it does. And and testing. Right. You know. Um uh, as entrepreneurs, I think we often think, um, you know, we're we're very positive thinkers. We we like to dream about building things, yes. um, but sometimes we we miss a bit of the reality along the way and right. uh, really understanding what what's going to be involved. And maybe that's why we do these things. Right. We,
0: if you'd known
4: we, we, at the start, you, you <clears throat> probably wouldn't do it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it was around about then, anyway, that I started working with Nelson in. In Southern California, and I started traveling back and forth between Ireland and, and uh, California a lot. Yep. And it was, I mean, it was quite funny. He was, um, he, he knew a, an, engine engin- an engine engineer, a, an engine maker, like an engine designer from um, Cambridge in UK.
3: Right.
4: And I had, I had met this guy as well, Paul Ford. And he had invented this little engine. He was a professor or associate professor at Cambridge. And I was over there talking to Paul, and he was showing me this engine, and he said, oh, you know, you must know Nelson Tyler. And I said, I, I don't know Nelson Tyler. And he, anyway, he introduced us. And I called Nelson, and I said, man, I would love to come and meet you. Um, I'm happy to get on a flight like now. And right. Nelson didn't believe that I was actually going to show up. I turned up the next day in L.A., <laughs> and that started a, you know, multi, many, 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 many years um, collaboration Right. Um, with, you know, with, my some of my financial backing and um and concepts and his engineering prowess and facilities at his workshop because he also builds these awesome camera mounts for helicopters so most of the movies that you saw shot definitely in the late 80s and 90s were shot um from helicopters with his camera camera systems yeah cool um yeah and so that's that's how i headed towards uh jetpacks it had always been a dream of mine i guess we didn't we didn't talk about that i you know, I love flying airplanes. Helicopters was even better than, heli- heli- um, than airplanes because they're so um, they're so dynamic. Um, but you still got this big cockpit around you. You know, you're sitting in a seat with a seat belt and you've got the cockpit and the glass around you, and blah blah blah. Yep. And I'd always I'd always love those um, TV images and movie images of the the rocket belt. I didn't know the difference between a rocket belt and a jetpack in those days. I just saw this guy strap on a on a on a um on an aircraft basically strapped on his back like a little flying backpack
2: yes
3: and
4: to me that was that to me that was like magic like yeah. imagine being able to fly around the city in in your jetpack and go wherever you want to go yeah man and it's not just me like if you look in science fiction and the jetsons and all that stuff there is this thing you yeah. know where where's my jetpack people think about that
0: even recently the mandalorian um has come out the star wars yeah. series and they're, they're jetpacking around and, and it's, a, it's, yeah. a, it's an awesome feature to the, it just adds so much, you know, to their, to yeah. their abilities as a, as, a, as a race or whatever they are, you know, it's like, it's madness. What I love about helicopters and jetpacks and any other kind of VTOL aircraft like that is the hover. It's just so cool yeah. to be able to just, just hover in one spot wherever you want, yep. you know, for me, that's, yep. that's what makes it, you know, I love that.
4: Yeah, I, I I agree with you. I love the fact that you can be doing a hundred miles an hour at one second to go somewhere, yep. and then you can just slow down and you can just sit there in the hover. Yep. Um, and then if you want to land somewhere, you know, I've seen, uh, you know, I've seen, uh, I've flown across the US and ac- across Europe, across zigzag all over Australia, and you see stuff that you can't see really just about any other way. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. Which is amazing, an amazing privilege. Like I never, I never grew up thinking that that's stuff that I'd be able to uh, to do or, or get involved in. Right. And um, so, yeah, so then I got into the jetpacks with uh, with Nelson. Yep. And um, and just slowly slowly built up. And um, this is a shameless plug that you can watch uh, a film called um, Own the Sky yeah, seen or uh, Rocket Compulsion. <laughs> okay, there you go. I went to the so, premiere so, with
3: you.
0: Oh, were you <laughs> there the, you go. You were at the premiere, weren't you? Yes.
3: Yeah. 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 Yep. That's right. Yeah. I was yeah, in was Australia. Your, yeah. There was
0: and uh, there was your,
4: pre-COVID days.
0: Yeah. Your engineer um, was there as well. Chris, one of Chris. the Chris's.
4: Yeah. Chris, Chris came down from um, LA. Yeah, yeah. One of the many Chris's. I'm not sure what's going on there. We have to hire an engineer with a different name. Yeah,
0: their name can um, be Chris <laughs> from now on.
4: That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Running out of email address options. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah. So, and that was all pre-COVID. I came down there, did the awesome. flight around the opera house and the Yeah, that's right. The you, did the,
0: you did the flight. You flew the jetpack around the opera house. The media was there. It was a huge crowd. Man, what an experience. It yeah. Is. It was, Just being near was, that thing, taking off is, is amazing. Yeah. You know, the, the noise. It's raw. The vibration And raw in the power, air, isn't it? Power. That's what it yeah. is, right? It's power. That's yeah. exactly what it is. So Yeah.
4: And and the film yeah. too was you should you should feel it you should feel what it's like to have it strapped on it's it's quite funny you know i've i've trained um, i've trained special forces operators in in the u s who like the last guy i trained had nine deployments um, as a navy seal wow and uh, you know he, he was gold team he was um, what they call a breacher so he's one of the guys that goes into breach oh
3: shit you know,
4: breach like blows something up so that the rest of the guys can get in there he's so in he there was first. hardcore <laughs> right
2: Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah.
4: But I tell you, the first time he strapped the jetpack on, yes. and um, and flew it just on the safety tether line in in um, Park in California, just near LA, his eyes were just like, like <laughs> so huge. Spins. He just went, he kind of, he came off the power, and he went, "Man, I think I'd rather be shot at." <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs>
0: Oh man. Oh, yeah, it's, gosh. it's such a machine that you've built. It's,
4: it's amazing.
0: I, I'd love to fly it one day. i come out to you're doing, well, you, you're training you pilots, right? So
4: yeah, we're training, um, training people. Um, so what, basically what we do is we have a, a tether system so people can come and they can just try flying for a couple of days on a, on a safety system, see how they like it. Yep. Um, and then we kind of have this club system where people can actually buy their own jetpack, yep. But because I'm not comfortable yet in basically letting them out of my sight because <laughs> they could go and do whatever with them, Yes. Um, we, we keep them and we maintain them, but they can come back and they can fly them. Yeah, cool. Um, so it's kind of like the supercar concept. You know, like with Ferrari and Lamborghini, there are some cars that they sell that you can't drive on any road in the world. Yep. Um, but so they hold them for you in... Um, Maranello in, in Italy, and you come there and, and they have it all ready for you. It's all polished, it's maintained. You drive it around the track, and then you go back to uh, you go back home.
3: Right, yeah. Uh, cool.
4: So that's that's the concept I'm looking at. Nice. Um, and which how had... much
0: the, ma- the the golden question that everyone wants to know the answer to. How many times have you been asked how much does it cost?
4: Well, tr- well, let me start with the the two day experience is just under five grand. Okay, yep. US. So that gets you like that gets you quite a lot of um mini flights on the on the tether. Yes. Um you know, and, and you get to learn about the jetpack, you know, you get to spend time with me and with Boris and yep. blah blah blah. Boris uh, is all, your other, all that stuff.
0: A, another jetpack pilot, right?
4: Yeah, Boris is our head of operations and um another instructor and, and pilot. Cool. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And um, so that's that, but if you wanted to buy one, um, depending on configuration, it's between 300 and 400,000 US dollars.
3: Okay. Um,
4: and then we, then we have a deal based on how often you want to come and fly it, because Sweet. you know that takes us obviously some, some time to set everything up and, and what have you. I'll
0: ring, my yeah, mom. I think, I mean, I'll ring my mom and see if I can get a loan.
4: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> ring your mom. Um, yeah. Scratch scratch through the change jar. Yeah,
0: yeah.
4: (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) Break open the piggy bank. (laughs) Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah, cool. Um, Awesome. No, that's
4: and yes. But the the new aircraft, the new aircraft we're working on now and and test flying um, just out of LA is also pretty awesome. It's we call it the Speeder. Yep. um, Obviously, for the Star Wars reference as well. And um, so the the jetpack is very manually flown uh you you know there's no there's no gyros there's no um automation or stabilization systems or anything like that um and it's actually really easy to fly once you know once you know how to do it you won't you won't forget it It's like right. l- literally like riding a bike right um it's very very intuitive like really intuitive if you i don't know have you um ridden on one of those segways you know one of those yes. little yeah, things yeah. with the two wheels and you lean lean forward. Or those hoverboards. Once once you get good at those, um, it's very intuitive. Basically, it's it's all about body, like moving your body in the direction you want to go. Yeah, cool. And um, so
0: what, what hand does what?
4: Uh, so on the on the right hand, there's a handle. Yes. Um, and when you when you turn that um, twist grip, that's your power. Right. That makes you go. That makes you go up and down. Right. Okay. Um or if if you're already up and you tilt forward and you use more throttle then you go faster. Right. Um and then on the left hand is what we call the yaw control. So that's that's kind of pivot. If you imagine you're in a hover yes. and you use your left hand, it'll spin you left or right cool. on the spot. Okay. Um and then the arms themselves move up and down. Right. Okay, so if you like, if you lean forward and push the arms down at the same time, then that makes you fly forward. Yeah, cool. and if you li- lift the arms up, um, that will make you stop or fly backwards and the same sideways. Where's the um, button to do but a backflip?
0: Is there one of those?
4: <laughs> Man, Not yet. I would like to try that. <laughs> I would like to try that. Yes. I don't know. I don't know how even to do that safely. Yeah. But anyway,
0: I remember a conversation <laughs> being had about that with Boris at one stage.
4: Yeah. <laughs> Got it. It'll happen. Yeah, It'll like happen you can probably sure. do it,
0: right? It's not impossible.
4: Oh no, I mean, I I think I know how I would do it. It yep. would be a a back backflip like a gator, yep. um, rather than a forward roll. Um, but it's like anything else; you'd probably get it wrong a few times before you get it right, and <laughs> that, that could get ugly and expensive. Yes. Um. So um. Yeah. So and then that's how the jetpack was. I mean, it sounds like there's a lot of stuff going on and there is, but once yeah. you learn it, like I said, you don't even think about it. Right. You just really don't think about it. You just you just you just fly. Yeah, and there's there's, um, there's
0: no like sort of software like the Speeder is going to be self-stabilizing, is that right?
4: Yeah, exactly. So what our what some of the customers that we've been talking to in the uh, in the military in the US wanted is um Instead of having to train one of their operators for you know maybe a couple of weeks, they wanted something that would be um, that they could just literally throw somebody on, basically with ten minutes briefing. Right. And that's what we've built with the the Speeder. It's it's like a drone. Like you can buy a DJI drone for a thousand bucks or so. Yep. And you know it'll it'll hold height. It'll come back to the you know it'll come back to you. Yep. It'll fly a mission. Um. So the technology is like. You know, the technology is not, um, not impossible. It, it's there.
2: Yes. But
4: nobody's done anything like this um, with turbojet engines yes. before, like jet engines. Um, it's all been electric um, rotor, rotor propulsion, which is what the, you know, which are what the drones use.
3: Right.
4: Um, so we had to build all of our own flight control uh, and flight computer. Cool. We had to build that literally from scratch. Um, right. create all of the physics mo- models around it, um, you know, understand what our aircraft, uh, how our aircraft responds as a physical model, build into it all of the control assumptions. Which has never
0: been done before, right? I think you mentioned that. This is, this is a totally new type of aircraft in a way.
4: It's never been done before. Like yes. even if you go back to the, um, you know, the jump jets, the Hawker jump jets and, you know, the, the, those sorts of things were different. I mean, they, they were much more manual yes um everything else in the market at the moment is electric propulsion so that that's nearly a dime a dozen like you can go and get all the code libraries open source and load that up into what they call px4 which is the software code that you use for Yep.
2: and
4: you'll have something you'll have something that flies you like in an hour and then you can adjust it and you can make a brick fly with electronic propulsion wow you can make you know, like they have R2-D2 models flying. Yes. Um, you know, you can build a, a model of a house and have it fly as an electric propulsion. It's very, very easy to tune. Yes. But um, using jet engines is not the same because there's, uh, you know, there's, acce- there's acceleration lag, there's deceleration lag. It doesn't act like an electric motor, which is basically instant on, instant off. Yes. And a, a linear curve in terms of acceleration. You can change voltage and it goes faster. Right. Um, uh, so yeah, we had to build all of our stuff from scratch, all of our code from scratch. And, uh, so that's what we're testing at the moment. Um,
0: cool. something I think testing um, people would love to hear about Dave in regards to the life of the speeder is your experience in Silicon Valley. Can you tell us a little bit about yep. that? Pitching for investment?
4: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we applied to the Y Combinator Accelerator program in uh, late 2018, and Y Combinator is probably the best known um, incubator or accelerator in the world. And yep. you know there are many, many, many options now, so it's certainly not the only one. Yep. Um, we, we'd already received some money from Boost VC, which is Adam Draper. Um, Adam is Tim Draper's um, son from Draper Associates. He was one of the first investors in SpaceX, um, Twitter, yep. uh, Hotmail, going back then, etc. Um, and you know, we're very, very fortunate to get accepted into um, Y Combinator. Yes. And it, to give you some idea of the mass, it's about uh, twenty thousand applications for two hundred and fifty places. Wow. Um, yeah. So, so I certainly wasn't expect I wasn't expecting to get in. Yeah. Um. um it's not a lot of money. Like they they only invest one hundred and fifty grand. Um. And right. they they at, at least at that stage the deal was they they take seven percent equity. Seven yes. percent of the, the company and chairs, um, but the the guidance that they give you, the people that they introduce you to, it's a three month program. So I had to move to um, Mountain View, yep, in Silicon Valley for three months: January, February, March, um, two thousand and nineteen, which yes. ended up actually being April and May as well. Um, at the end of the program, yep, and they really help you create your business plan. Focus on why you would be investable as a company, and then at the end of the um, at, at the end of the three months, they have what they call demo day, and I think a lot of the other incubators have copied that and they have the same thing. So that's where you get up on stage, and we had two stages, each had about um, 600 people. This is back pre-COVID days. Yep. And so you get to pitch to 1,200 people, um, which is pretty pretty awe inspiring. Um, um, you know, you, you hone you hone this um like three or four minute pitch, yep. which you've got to have basically down to the, the second, uh, because they're moving on to the next then they're moving on to the next company. They they have a big video screen and you so you stand up on stage um and you do the pitch. And and then we had a couple of our jetpacks actually there as well, so people could come and see those. And then but, you know, you hear the stories, even having gone through an incubator like that, such a famous one, still it was no you know, easy deal to get the, the seed funding yes. um, completed. And you hear these stories about people knocking on hundreds of doors um, up and down um, Silicon Valley. And it was pretty much the same. I don't know whether it was hundreds, but it was tens of tens of meetings. Wow. Basically, you know, yeah. So- um, I would. Pr- I was probably doing five to six meetings a day, yep. um, and just just Ubering it so I could sit in the back of the car, take all my notes, and then be be back into the next pitch.
0: Yeah, cool. This is all around um, Silicon Valley, right?
4: Yeah, this is all between um, San Francisco down to San Jose um, area. That's where all of the you know VC uh, West Coast VC officers are. And it certainly, it certainly helps having the credibility of Y Combinator behind you.
2: Yes.
3: And that,
4: that definitely opens the door, but it, it does not close any deal. Right. you still got to – it opens the door, but it doesn't, doesn't close the deal for you. You've still got to get them over the line. And you know many, many people don't, um, and they won't necessarily tell you the reason why. And that's the same for anybody. It doesn't matter whether you're an Airbnb in the early days. It's like the Airbnb guys went through Y Combinator. Um, you know, Stripe went through Y Combinator, DoorDash, and those guys all came to talk to us. You know, we got to meet them all. Yes. Uh, during the Y Combinator days and they went through the same stuff. Yep. They had they in the end they had like two hundred V C say no and one say yes, but that's all that's all they needed. Yeah, right. So I, uh,
0: I think my my um understanding of your experience at Silicon Valley <clears throat> um really helped you know th- this idea that some people have that people just get lucky and and um you know that they'll they'll never really get there because it's it's all just unfair and it all depends on who you know and you know this idea that you kind of you're in or you're out you're a winner or you're a loser and and and, and you can't change that. I think it was it was very encouraging for me to hear from you how much how how much of a hard time you had at times with that. Like it was it was a struggle. Oh yeah. I been talking to you on a few occasions and and it was like. It wasn't easy, right? Like you, you did a lot of meetings it wasn't, and you got a lot of knockbacks. It
4: wasn't easy. No, it wasn't easy at all, Bill. And, um, and, and I'm somebody that has had some success in the past. So like I, I thought I was coming to these meetings with a pretty good story. Yes. You know, um, you know exited X number of companies, made investors like 10 times their money back. Yes. Um, I put a lot of my own money into this, which investors love to hear. You know, that you put a lot of your own cash in, not just time. Like every investor expects that you put your life on hold <laughs> yes. for everything to do this. But when you also say, I also have put like millions of dollars of my own money into
3: this. Right. Um,
4: but still, it's still a, it's still tough. It's still a struggle. Yep. Um, you definitely get very, very good at telling your story. Right. Uh, you know, pitching, pitching the story. You get, you know, you get to the point where after, 30 or 40 of these VC meetings that like you know the question that they're going to ask well before they know that they're going to ask it and you know, which order they're going to a- answer it in. And yeah,
2: right. it was
4: always a joke amongst our, our YC guys is we actually need to come up with an app that just has, the, has all the answers to the questions Automated. in the order that we know they're going to be asked.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: cool. Do, um, do you think your experience receiving pitches, uh, with your small VC company that you set up previously in Australia, that we talked about just before, did that help at all with your experience there with pitching, or was it mainly the Y Combinator stuff? And-
4: no, no, no. Definitely. I mean, Bill, it all it all comes together. Yep. Every experience you have, um, regardless of whether you know it at the time, is is something that you're going to draw on when you when you least expect it. And so, for sure, um, you know, le- learning learning to basically to understand people, their motivations, um, what they need, you know, individually in a in a discussion. That that was very, very critical. And that's not stuff that I necessarily learned at Y Combinator, but by by watching other people pitch and also mentoring other people in their in their pitching. Yes. Um, really zeroing in on what is this particular you know, these particular people that you're talking to right now, what is their interest? Why are they interested? What's it going to take to to close a deal with them? Yes. Um, Look, if it was easy, uh, everybody would be out there raising money, but it's, it's really, it's really not. And for every, a for every successful company, um, they went through, there's none of them that didn't go through a crap time. So anybody thinks that these companies just lucked it. Right. I
3: mean,
4: the airbnb guys were literally sleeping on couches in the end they 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 were absolutely out of money yes they were absolutely out of money wow um and then they and then they jagged investment and now they're all worth you know tens of billions of dollars yeah right um and and that's that's the same across the board and and often it's that you know they say is that you know it's the it's it's the darkest just before dawn is the saying and it's true just just before you are successful is usually the darkest and hardest and bleakest time. Right. So that's the time where you don't want to give up, you know, you put all the effort in. into so that's the time to double down Yes. and, uh, and go hard. Yeah, um, yeah. and yeah, so if for every business that succeeded, then there were countless rejections along the way. And then there are all those businesses that didn't make it, it didn't, didn't succeed. And, and they, you know, it's not for a want of trying. They made, you know, countless number of pitches and, you know, sometimes their idea was actually absolutely fine. It's just that they they couldn't communicate it. It wasn't the right time. And then you see two years later, basically the same concept flying with somebody else.
0: Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to do that. You don't want to be that guy.
4: No, no.
0: <laughs> so it's it's almost no. like it takes Sorry. a little bit of like, um, you know, like, surrender and accepting sort of powerlessness and just just operating on blind faith right when you're in those darkest times and you you feel like nothing's working you just keep putting one foot in front of the other right
4: you have to you have to bill um i'm i've never been somebody that is overly analytical about how i'm feeling about something at the time
0: yes Um, my
4: wife will remind me about that every day (laughs) and i think that to some to some point at some point you you just have to you have to make that decision, I'm committing to this and at least for X period of time now you may want to do you may want to have it like incremental reviews. I'm going to commit to this for another six months and you're all in. You don't then keep looking over your shoulder and saying, Oh shit, that was actually harder than I thought. Well who cares? Life's tough. Like it's it's really hard for everybody. Right. It's, it's really, 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 really hard. Yes. And um, anybody that thinks that somebody got a free ride um, in business, yes. Then you know maybe they were you know lucky sperm club or, or whatever. That's it's the minority. <laughs> and frankly, like who would be who'd want to be that person? Really, I'm right. actually happy that I've worked my ass off. Right. For anything that I achieved, you know, I didn't inherit a cent, and anything. I love being able to look around and say everything that I have. I I may right um,
3: yeah, yeah. so
4: yeah you've got to say I'm going to go for this I'm going to review it in six months I'm not going to have a foot on either side and that's the other thing you, you know you have to this is a little bit harsh but you need partners in your life and I'm talking about life partners yes. husband wife girlfriend boyfriend whatever that are on your side as well yes because if they're not on if they're not on your side then they're against you yeah, um right. it, it's a bit harsh but. If they don't get it, then they don't get it, and there will only be a negative energy, and that's not something you need to come home to every day.
0: Yes, that's
4: uh, right. so you yeah. have to kind behind, of consider. You have to consider that situation.
0: Behind every successful uh, businessman or woman is a is a um, is a committed partner, right? That's also bought into that
3: vision.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, if that's a negative force, then you've got no hope. Yep. I've been extremely. Um, I've been extremely lucky um, uh, or maybe I can say that I actually actually chose well or, or <laughs> targeted well, yep. but I think I've just been extremely lucky and, um, and especially my wife is extremely supportive. So, yes. you know, if you think about me going to Silicon Valley for five months, disappearing, um, you know, when we first moved to Dublin and our youngest daughter was two years old, Yep. I moved her over there. I got her settled um, and everything. And then I went, holy shit, I've, I've actually got to go. I've right. got to go for meetings. I, I can't remember where, whether I had to go back to Australia or South Africa or whatever I did. Yep. I hadn't even set up a freaking bank account. Wow. Oh, I'd like no. she, she, like managed to get a, 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 um, a house organized and yep. a lease on it. And then I just hightailed it and said, I'm not sure when I'm going to be back. Um, I'm going to try, you know, we'll have to set up bank accounts um, remotely. I'm not sure what's going to happen. She ended up having to borrow money from our neighbors um, or, or nappies. I can't remember. She either oh, had man. to borrow money to buy nappies or she borrowed nappy, nappies from the neighbor for our two-year-old, yep. Georgina. It was, was not, a, not a good look, but she, she knew that that's kind of what it, you know, what it takes. Yes, There's no free ride.
0: Yeah, there's a whole
4: uh, um, there's a whole
0: um, kind of uh, section of the "Own the Sky" documentary about the jetpack, where they they interview yep. Sachi and the kids, and um, it really came, yeah, it really exactly. comes through that you know it's um it's hard at times, but they they're all invested in this and they're all behind you in this and 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 wanting it to happen, you know, and supporting you and and um, yep. it's a beautiful thing to see and and the results speak for themselves. I mean, you've invented the world's only jetpack for a start and now the speeder i mean this thing like i said to you before when we've talked previously like if you can make this thing fly it's going to be the most fucking awesome thing i've ever seen right because it's it's going to be amazing bill yeah yeah yeah
4: it's going to be amazing that's um even in even in the hard times now when we're struggling with stuff like uh, you know it's just just because we've got a a company and 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 engineers and everything doesn't mean that our struggles are over you know we still right. every day we have some issue about something
2: yes you know yep
4: you know insurance companies pulling out because they you know they realized exactly what we're doing even though we <laughs> we hadn't lied to them about what we're doing maybe we just hadn't told them everything about what we're doing so suddenly we're not insured right. and that means our contract for our lease falls over that means we don't have a test facility you know there's always some shit
0: yes that that goes on this this idea Um, as well that i've been thinking about recently where um you know the promised land that everyone feels like they're 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 striving for and they're pushing for I, i don't actually think it exists i think you know and and this is probably a little bit cliche but i think it's all about the journey right because even if you get to a point where you've got enough money to do whatever you want with your life it doesn't stop there. Like, you, you know, you don't just put that money in a bank, you need to invest it. And then you've got your accountant ringing you talking about how some things are going down and some things are going up and you need to buy this or you st- you're stressed out about whether you should sell that asset or buy, you know, it never ends. Like, it's not like you ever get Is to that- a point where you just go, sweet, put it in no. the bank, I'm going to spend a couple of hundred grand a year living the life I want and, and there's going to be no stress, right? It doesn't happen.
4: No, you're spot on. It Doesn't matter whether you've got one million, ten million, a hundred million, or a billion in the bank. Yep, uh, you will still have decisions to make every day, and you'll still have stress in your life. Right. Yep.
0: And, and, so, and, and you know,
4: all... I've, I've I've been there. I, you know, I basically I retired in my thirties, and um, I still had I still had stress. Yes. So, you know, that, that might have um,
0: been the the um, the private jet that you own, Dave. <laughs>
4: That would have been a bit stressful, I imagine, yeah.
0: <laughs> and the turbo well, Bentley stress, stress,
4: and the helicopter. Stressful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can overdo it with the toys. That's right. true, but um, I've learned I've learnt my lesson. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> there are only so, only so many toys that one one should have at one time. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, yeah. so what's going on with the um, speeder
0: at the moment? What, where are we at with that? I mean, you're test flying. I think I heard you say.
4: Yeah, we're test flying it on a tether system. So before we let it loose, you know, um, like literally flying around on its own, what we do is this is in a massive warehouse at a port in um, just north of L.A. Yes. That we've been super, super amazingly lucky to get a hold of um, and and for them to agree to to let us use it. I mean, this thing is huge. It's about 200 meters long, um, 100 meters wide and about 20 meters high. Yep. so it's it's just massive um, and so the speeder which kind of looks like a, a flying motorcycle looks, yes. or, looks like a motorcycle a bit bigger um, not much bigger it sits there on these sort of these wire these wires so that if anything goes wrong it can't fly away it can't crash yes and then using the flight code that I was talking about that we've developed over the last year and a half through all the um, you know physics modeling and then um testing the testing the jet engines individually and taking all of the output of that putting that back into the physics modeling and then creating the autopilot code the software yep. so we're testing that axis by axis and uh so we've, there's three axes there's um there's pitch roll and yaw just like any any aircraft so pitch is like nose up or nose down yep uh, roll is side to side you imagine the wings like rolling from side to side Yep. And your is if you look straight down on top of it, it's spinning like left or right. right. You know, clockwise or anti-clockwise. And so we've finished um we've finished the your uh, testing. And mm-hmm. we've we've just started we've just started pitch and we've just brought on a new um, engineer. Yes. And so there's a period when you bring up, you know, you know, as well as I do, when you bring on somebody new, there's a period of nearly less efficiency and less work output because you have to bring them up to speed. And, you know, it's simple things as we need to find this guy, you know, some, some housing and his wife is moving over from Texas, so we need, need to sort all of that stuff out. Yes. Um, so we'll be back into pitch testing um, probably by the end of the month or early February. And then we've got – from that we've got to do um, roll. Roll, yep. And then – yeah, so we've done your, and then we've got to do pitch, and then we've got to do roll, and then we'll be, we'll be finished that um, hopefully in, in March sometime. And then we go to the P2. So this is the P1, meaning first full scale prototype. The P2 is the second full scale prototype. Yep. And the P2 will be um, way more refined. Like the, the control systems will actually be exactly the same, but it will be, it'll look way more like a sexy flying motorcycle. <laughs> cool.
0: <laughs> That's important
4: and uh it's important man yeah exactly. it is yeah, yeah. yeah look you know look in in aviation looks are, are everything now yes. you know a- airplanes are usually pretty sleek so they're kind of sexy anyway but you know this is not an airplane this is like something that takes off vertically right um and it's funny even when we we're working with these hardcore navy seal guys at virginia beach in um east east um us yep. they were saying. Yeah, I mean obviously it's gotta do this, gotta go this speed, it's gotta be da 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 da. But then at the end they said, and it's gotta look like it's gotta look the business. You know, we don't they literally don't want to be flying something as navy SEALs yeah. that doesn't look the business.
0: No, nah, man, some tin Can bloody, you know
4: makeshift. I'm going,
0: come on guys, as long as it...
4: it's
0: like but it goes from yeah, zero going, to five hundred miles an hour in three seconds. Yeah, it's like but look at it. <laughs>
4: I know. That's what yeah. I said. I said, guys, it's going to do like four hundred miles an hour. It's yeah. going to take off vertically. It's going to carry six hundred pounds, like three hundred kilos of anything. It's going to have ballistic um, plating. And they go, yeah, but what does it look like? <laughs>
0: so, so is that is that how? Far, have you got the calculations? It'll go that fast, four hundred miles per hour. Um, we don't we don't have
4: the we don't have the final calculations, but in. In cargo mode, where we're able to create like a really streamlined cargo pod, yes, um, it'll be it'll be super super fast. Uh, okay. uh, you know, like s- sort of six hundred kilometers an hour Whoa. Um, would be possible. And that's and that's technically the it would that, be, technically it would be yeah. Sorry, I was going to say technically that would be possible um, with a manned version as well, but. You have we have to find a way of containing the person in in a really streamlined cabin right like literally you know they're, they're pretty much lying down
0: and the cargo one's the one that follows the or or you can send it somewhere right with it's not manned
4: yeah yeah it no it's not manned you can send it you can send it fully autonomously on a mission um, or you can remote fly it so you can pre pre-program it Yes, You can download the, um, the flight mission from a satellite directly into it, and it will go, just go and do its thing. Awesome. Um, like you never, need, you never need to touch it. Um, and it could fly, you know, up to a couple of hundred miles, um, you know, drop 300 kilos of cargo, um, and then it could be – or it could be manned. And if it's flown by a pilot, actually the pilot could just sit there would right. probably be the safest way because it's usually pilots that mess things up so the pilot could just sit there with their arms crossed and it'll do the aircraft will do everything for them yes or the the pilot could take over the control which is kind of more like a game gaming console you know like a joystick yes and and take full control of the aircraft but the aircraft won't let um, it won't let the person crash it it's it's called um a, a flight protective envelope so
2: Yes.
3: You
4: know, if the pilot tries to overspeed it or over, you know, too many G forces in a in a pitch or a roll move, it just won't let it, it won't let the pilot do that.
0: Yeah, cool. Okay. And what um, kind of G force do you think a pilot might experience on one? Have you already calculated that? Like could it be too much? I mean,
4: we 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 can I mean it could be it could be huge. Yeah, right. Um, but we've got a very high wing loading um We've got a very high wing loading on it because the wings are, are very small. So yes. if you if you're at high speed and you pulled a, a very steep um, bank angle, yes, you know you could probably pull ten g's at yeah, least right. in, in, initially, and that you know that might bleed off as you um, as you roll out of it. But you could easily pull ten g's. But we would build into the um, the protected flight envelope, say a maximum of three g's. Yeah, right. For example.
0: To make it a bit and more let, comfortable.
4: Yeah, exactly. I mean, 3G's is, you know, if you're an 80-kilo person, yes. um, suddenly you're how? how What's what, 3 times 80? right? Eh? Yes. 240 kilos. Yes. So if your head if your head weighs 10 kilos, it now weighs 30 kilos. But if it's 10G's, your head weighs 100 kilos.
0: Yeah, which is not good for your neck.
4: <laughs> not, not good for your neck. You're, you're wanna, That's why these... You're going to want to have eaten yeah, if you look at them, morning. <laughs> Exactly. If you look at the necks of the um, like the Red Bull Air Race guys, um, if you look at their necks, they're just like rugby players.
0: Yeah, yeah. How cool yeah. was that, man? We yeah. you flew me out to France and uh, we were, I was on the crew for the Red Bull Air Races jetpack aviation team. Man, that was that was like an experience of a lifetime, Dave. That was so not cool. that
4: fantastic?
0: Yeah, yeah. Watching yeah, I, watching I, you fly. around. I think about, about all the
4: flights I've done. Yeah. If I think about all the flights I've done around the world, you know, in Tokyo and uh Hungary and ah, uh, everywhere in the US, that I think the France one was just amazing. A yep. because I know a lot of people in that town and B, you know, you got there and yep. Sergey was there and every Your everybody got there, there and yeah. um it was crazy. family was there and it was just a beautiful, beautiful day. Yep. Um you remember and you know, the the glitz and glamour of the French Riviera. Yep. And then we went to the Remember the VIP tent with yeah, the jetpack yeah. and did interviews and <laughs> met, all met the, Sebastian yeah. Loeb, the the, um, the world champion rally driver, and he was really into it. He wants to fly.
0: Yeah, cool. <laughs> has he contacted you since? Has he?
4: Yeah, no, he has, and Boris has been talking to him. He's Boris's new best friend.
0: Yeah, right, cool, cool. And the yeah. after party, the Red Bull uh, Air Race after party, that was a after was party. A <laughs> so that was yeah, that was, cool, and man. I remember
4: you um, you walk. With the jetpack, you wore the jetpack all the way, pretty much from one end of yeah, um, can't, can't. the croissette, you know, like the the that the um the seafront. Yep. Um, you walk from one end to the other, and just like after we'd been flying, so everybody knew you were the guy, and they were
3: just <laughs> yeah, yeah, autograph, yeah, oh, yeah, man.
0: yeah, yeah. That was the best. <laughs> <laughs> it was so much fun, man. That was that was great. So so, and then the it, Red Bull. Can you talk at all about what's happening now with that or what might be happening or is that hush
4: hush? Um yeah, they they stopped it um was it 2019? I'm not sure. It just got so expensive on Red Bull themselves. So yeah. the business model as I understand it was that the host cities were meant to pay quite a lot of the um cost of the production because it was hugely expensive to put on, you yes. know, with all the the pylons in the water and the safety systems. And it was, I think every event was costing them at least ten, ten 10 million euro. Wow. Um, so, and, and in the end, a lot of it was being put, you know, funded by Red Bull. So I think um, Dietrich Mateschitz and the you know, leadership team at Red Bull just didn't know has got to be another way. So they stopped it. And I think there's now at least one other organization that is looking at buying the rights from Red Bull um, uh, to run it themselves. Yeah, exactly. And we're, we're, talking, we're talking to them about setting up a, a jetpack racing series within that. And they're actually, you know, they're really smart, the way that they're looking at doing it. It's a looking to become a, you know, sort of like an expose of, of modern flight technology and all of the electronic VTOL aircraft and flying cars that are coming out around the world, which is becoming a huge industry. You know, it's a way of showcasing, a lot of that new technology. Yeah, cool. Uh, so so jet if they racing, can get investors behind it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Jetpack racing yeah. could happen. It could be a thing.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's um, mad. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're actually working on course design um, at the moment with wow. them. So, you know, how how would, how would the course layout look like? Because one of the things I love the concept of is not just a horizontal Course design where you have to weave between pylons or that sort of thing over, a, like, a, maybe a three kilometer um, course, but also where you have to do like a vertical, uh, you know. So yeah, maybe cool. you have this great big, maybe, yeah, imagine a like a football um, goalpost, yes, that are made out of great big inflatable um, things and, and bigger than a football goalpost. Yeah, and you yeah. have to fly under, you know, like through the bottom of it, and then you have to flip around, yeah, yeah, uh, and then come back across the top of the um, the horizontal bar.
0: Yeah, so cool, um,
4: so cool. I think that's yeah.
0: that's pretty much up there with one of the most awesome things I've ever fucking heard—a jetpack race. <laughs> that's like, yeah, it, it doesn't it doesn't get much better than that.
4: Man, I mean, Boris and I have tried racing, um, yep, uh, a couple of times in um, in California, but we really haven't got gotten into it hard and it would be so much fun because yeah. you can fly like you could literally touch elbows yeah wow um i think because there's did. no you propellers guys,
0: you guys in that that you've got a film. Yeah, yeah, film we, clip. We, fist bumped
4: yeah, yeah we've got a film clip of us like clip of us coming up and and like like doing a high five or something like that and yeah yeah you can you know like if you're going into a corner um, if you wanted to take this to the extreme, it, you know, it's like Quidditch in uh, Harry Potter. You could literally come up to somebody and basically kick them out of the sky.
0: <laughs> That's getting a bit crazy, right? <laughs> <laughs> but why not? Oh, man. Yeah, it's, if you've got the... If this this would be over water, right, I'm guessing? Because they're going to put the pylons in the inflatable pylons. Yeah, no,
4: initially, initially it would be over water um, yep. because a lot of the the new air races would be over water as well. And for us, uh, you know, it, it's, a bit of a, it's a bit of a debate to say whether over water is safer or not because at certain speeds and certain heights, water is basically like concrete anyway. Right. Um, and, but it is, you know, maybe we limit the speed a little bit or something. Um, basically, it's going to be safer. As long as you've got all the water safety, you know, all the boats and the divers and the rescuers.
0: Yeah, cool cool Dave mate I'm, and, and yes yeah I was gonna say I'm, I'm definitely gonna be looking forward to talking to you more about this and doing some more episodes and stuff I'm conscious of the time I know you said you had a meeting but I have a question for yeah, you yeah cool bill um, yeah my question is what would you say right now to someone out there who maybe is um, running a business and it's not really going anywhere or they're kind of feeling like they're caught in a dead-end job? Um, you know, some fellow entrepreneurs out there that have dreams and visions that are just really struggling to get through um, and, and wake up the next day and keep pushing. Have you, have you got any words of inspiration that you could offer?
1: Yeah. Um,
4: It's, it's not, it's not an easy one because there's no kind of one solution fits all, uh, fits all cases. Sorry about the dog going crazy here. Um, Like there's, there's, there's just a heap of inspiration in in everyday life of people that are, are making it through through grinding. So what I what I would do is first of all try and um, try and surround yourself with positive like minded people um, yes. that are that are going through the same kind of struggles. Now whether that's through an incubator, there's lots of great incubators in, in Australia. There's incubators now pretty much in every city of the world. And those are people that are going through similar kinds of um, issues. So, you know, go go and sign up. But then move move out of your if things are not going well. Move out of your office where you are now and go and move into one of the the heart. You know, the incubator offices. Because yes. around you, you're going to have people that are going through exactly the same stuff. Or through the network, um, find what you need is to find a mentor with somebody that has achieved. It doesn't have to be stellar success. Just yes. somebody that has been through. Um, you know through the the hard times as well to get out to the other side and and even to have their business survive yes. or their relationships survive or whatever it is that's yes. that's what you need um you know i'm I, I i don't read fiction very much i'm usually reading autobiographies i do i personally find it motivating to read um autobiographies or biographies of people that have overcome obstacles and to understand how they did that, what their mindset was, you know, I find that quite, um, quite useful. Yes. That's the, that's the main stuff. Yeah, or cool. call Bill Paulson. Call Bill <laughs> Paulson. He's, he's an extremely smart guy. He, he'll, he'll sort you out. Oh, stop it. No, it's true, mate. <laughs> I'll stop it. I'll keep going. i yeah, stop yeah. it. Tell me more.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, cool. Um, and, um, yeah.
4: That's, Thank yeah.
0: you for offering um, to give away a free jetpack to one of our listeners today as well, Dave. I really appreciate no, that, man. It means a lot to me.
4: No worries, no worries, <laughs> mate. They come in a little box. Um, yes. They're three D printed, and and absolute pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> cool, Dave. Oh dear.
3: <laughs> All right, man. Cool,
4: Bill. Um, yeah, let's let's do this again, Bill. Yeah, yeah, um, definitely. So much. So much, um, so much going on, and yeah, yeah, definitely. You're an interesting and, guy, um, Dave.
0: I, I've got to get you back on so we can find <laughs> out what's going on with the speeder. Um, you know, yeah, as well. exactly. That's, that's that's a thing that you know people are going to want updates on. So, um, including yeah, and we
4: can talk. We can talk next time. We can talk more about you know what it takes to like move up up and move country, and, yes. and cause I've done that several times and all of that good stuff. Yeah, but cool. this has been awesome.
0: Yeah, man. I agree. Yeah.
4: Thanks. I, I love the uh, I love the um I love the fact that you're putting the effort and energy into this
1: podcast.
0: Yeah. Thanks, Dave. Yeah, I mean it's something I've been thinking about doing for a while and I'm I'm just I'm really passionate about getting stories out there from interesting people like yourself. Like you know, people that have overcome challenging times, not just in business, uh, you know, I, I guess in their own personal lives as well. People that have kind of taken on their demons and defeated them. People have got the grind and the grit and I think it rubs off, you know, listening. There's nothing better. I don't think you can spend time um, on something that's more more fruitful than listening to someone talk about having overcome a challenge in their life, you know. Um, yeah. And, and, and also obviously listening to people who have done amazing things like inventing jetpacks, for example. I've set the bar pretty high, yep. to be honest with you,
4: with the first episode, <laughs> I think. But you use the word demons, Bill, and yeah. everybody has them. We all have them. I certainly have had my sh- fair share of demons and doubts and everything. And yep. and that's just part and parcel of part and parcel of life, isn't it? So yeah, um, it's just yeah, it's how we all handle it and who we turn to. And yep,
0: yep, cool, cool, Bill. Till next time, eh?
4: Yep. Okay. Have a good evening there.
0: Thanks, Dave. Yep. You have a good day.
4: All right, mate. Peace out. I will do. Okay. Sweet. See you, Bill. Bye.